Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. Uh, I'm your other host, Jane, who is sleepy today. Oh, we got a sleepy Jane with us today, folks. And we're here today to talk about uh, your favorite author's book series, Rick Riordan of the King Chronicles today, with the Red Pyramid sequel, Throne of Fire. I'm actually curious. Is there anyone in our audience for like, whom like Rick Riordan is their favorite author? That's a good question. There has to be someone. Because he's not if, my favorite author. <laughs> no, me neither. If your favorite author is Rick Riordan, uh, add us on Twitter or, uh, I don't know, put a comment in our YouTube section, I guess, if you're listening to this on YouTube in like a year or whatever. Oh, fuck. I need uh, to get back to uploading these to YouTube. Or, I guess, join our Discord server and tell us. Or if you're already <laughs> in our Discord server, tell us. Uh, or tell us who your, who your actual favorite author is. Jane, who's your favorite author? Uh, the minute, probably Brandon Sanderson. Wow. Okay. Uh, that marks you as a specific type of person. Does it? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen Brandon Sanderson fans on Tumblr and they seem very annoying, but like, so do most fandoms. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> Jacqueline, who is your favorite author? Um, do I read books? Yeah. <laughs> You were reading, you were reading like a short story anthology that sounded very intellectual like a couple of weeks ago. I remember you telling me about it. Oh yeah, I, I was reading that a while back. Uh, I'm trying to think of who my favorite author is though. It's not Rick Riordan, but I, for some reason, my brain is not bringing up other writers. <laughs> I'm like, is it Terry Pratchett? I've only read like two Terry Pratchett books. I don't think that can count. But okay, Pratchett is a respectable choice though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I haven't even gotten to like the good stuff apparently though. So uh, um, I see. Uh, maybe maybe Pratchett is the answer. I'll hmm. <laughs> by default. <laughs> by default, I mean, I've read like Le Guin. There's good. I've I've read one book by Le Guin. Um, I've read. <sighs> okay, this can't just become me trying to remember books I've read. Uh, <laughs> let's 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 move on. Let's move on. Jane, you're my favorite author. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've read a lot of what you've written. You have, including some stuff that I've legitimately published and some stuff that I have not legitimately published. That's right. <laughs> uh, I would like to say, before we get started, uh, congratulations, I guess, to uh, the Percy Jackson TV show. Oh, yeah. Which is, I guess, uh, it's been... What what was like the phrasing? It's been greenlit for production? Yeah, they've put in an actual, like, order for a season of television. Okay. Uh, so, it's actually happening, folks. Join us here in five years when we're done with, like, I don't know, whatever the new Nico books are. <laughs> and, like, we covered, like, the Daughter of the Deep, presumably, like, trilogy. Uh, and even though I don't think that's in the same universe at all. It's not. Uh, and, I don't know, maybe we, like... Maybe we went back and read The Lightning Thief again. Like, maybe there was, like, a The Stand version of The Lightning Thief where it's, like, completely unedited. I mean, we do need to do the musical at some point, so we're going to have to revisit it. That's true. Uh, and then we'll finally get to uh, the, the TV series. I'm I'm really not looking forward to, um, like, the actual production starting up. 
Uh-huh. Because I've enjoyed the older promotional images for the TV series so far have just been, like, stock images from the shit movies that nobody likes. Yeah. Like, that's one of those little oddities that I find very funny, and I'll be sad to see it go. Uh-huh. One of the... There was, like, a, a cute little piece of fan art of, like, all of the, the three main kids of Percy Jackson. I think was reblogged by, like, the Rick Riordan Twitter account. Um, you don't reblog like, a tweet. What was it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Why are you fucking calling me out? I remember the fucking dumbass Columbo video I watched. I I love that video so much. I know the one. I know exactly the one you're talking about. You exposed God. yourself as a Tumblr user. Anyway, there's a really good one of that for like this guy who's like, well, I was in my room playing PS4 all day. And it's like, <laughs> oh, well, you see, the PS4 has no games. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> um, it's ridiculous memes. Um. What was I saying? Uh, Rick Ryden reblogged some fan art, I think. Retweeted fuck. Like, <laughs> it was like the three main kids wearing Disney ears at Disneyland, and I was like, oh yeah, this is a Disney Plus show. And I uh... just incredibly excited to watch this legally. <sighs> you know, I was a little bit excited for a second there, and then you said Disney Plus show, and... Uh. I mean, it's the reality we have to understand. Like, we are reading, like, basically, like, presented by Disney, the Camp Half-Blood Chronicles. I know, I know the publishing house is owned by Disney. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, the Disney, like, it's all Disney stuff nowadays. It's all Disney stuff. It's all Disney stuff. While we were talking just then, I actually knocked some Lego off my shelf. Which is also owned by Disney. It is. It's fucking Lego Star Wars. Oh, God. (laughs) I was joking. I'm going to fidget with my Lego TARDIS instead. Mm. What if our podcast gets acquired? Uh, I mean, payout would probably be better. I guess that's true. <laughs> well. Hey, well, Disney execs will sell out our principles if you give us a dump truck full of money. I mean, we'll like let you replace us as hosts. I'm sure you can find better hosts. <laughs> You get two. You can get two like vaguely flamboyant cisgender people. Get the uh, fucking get the Homestuck made this world people, and they can do the bonus <laughs> show as well. Oh god, they have to read Homestuck again. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Throne of Fire. Oh yeah. Should I read the summaries? Y- you probably should. Okay. Chapter nine. Uh. I forgot what this chapter title was until I read it again. <laughs> um, chapter 9. We get a vertically challenged tour of Russia. Um, Car- Carter and Walt have a series of wacky incidents before landing at Waterloo Bridge, where they meet up with Sadie and Bez. Bez drives them to a portal at the staircase of London's Crystal Palace, but before they go through, Bez says it's time for Walt to leave because he can't go with them, and he implies there's something Walt isn't telling them. Walt gives Sadie a Shen necklace birthday present. It's the, it's the symbol of Ra, representing eternity, and then leaves. Bess mutters something about Walt being born unusual, then drives him up the stairs, through the portal, and straight into Russia. Bess leads them to the Hermitage, a museum that used to be the Tsar's palace. And along the way, he tells them that in the 1700s, Prince Menjikov, Vlad the Inhaler's ancestor, held a party for Pierre the Grape and captured Bess and a number of other little people to stage a mock, quote, dwarf wedding as entertainment. The trauma of it still seems to weigh on him. 
They split up since Bez isn't able to go to the Magician's Domain without triggering her alarms, and the siblings enter the Hermitage. Chapter 10. An Old Red Friend Comes to Visit Inside the Hermitage, after taking care of the security cameras, Carter hides the two of them with a janky invisibility spell. Sadie gets caught up looking at Estelle that has Anubis on it, leading Carter to mention that Walt likes her because he feels like she should get him a chance instead of an ancient god, but she's actually just looking at the Estelle because it's glowing, a sign that it's probably the entrance to Russia's 18th gnome. They go through the portlet hides and end up in Menshikov's office, where the man himself is sacrificing a demon using an execration ritual, a spell to completely erase one's being from the world, in order to a god-summoning ritual. In the meantime, the Canes sneak over to Menshikov's desk, where Anubis told Sadie the piece of scroll should be. Unfortunately, the god being summoned is Set, and it seems he also knows Set's secret name. He wants to know two things. First, what the binding on Apophis is. Second, how to break through Brooklyn House's defenses. Set seems to stall for a bit, even with Menshikov's promises to make them the lieutenant of Apophis, but eventually he notices the siblings and blows their cover. It's basically a ploy to get them to release him from the jar Vlad trapped him in, and it's only when Menshikov summons a double-headed snake called the Chezu Heru that Sadie uses the last of her magic to break the jar. Set won't kill the snake, but he does stay behind to keep Vladimir busy as the canes run away. Chapter 11. Carter does something incredibly stupid and no one is surprised. After quite a bit of running, the canes make their way outside, but Sadie's confused about why the scroll isn't further protected. The Chezu Heru lands on Carter, and Sadie tries to distract it, but she has no idea how to get it off him. She's basically out of options, so she takes the last resort and forms a limited connection with Isis, creating a glowing tiet that begins to draw it away. She's about to detonate the symbol when a young Russian security guard approaches, and it turns out he's a magician. She tries to communicate that Vladimir Menshikov is working with Apophis. However, the confusion gives the Chezu Heru an opening but Carter pounces on it to try and save Sadie, only to get bitten. In her rage, Sadie destroys the creature with a glowing light. Set and Sadie carry Carter back to Bez, Set chatting the whole time about how Carter will certainly die in just 12 hours from the venom, and Menshikov's magicians will kill her as well soon after. Uh, Bess instinctively tries to scare Set off, but it doesn't phase the god of his order, who's actually come to make a deal. In exchange for returning this true name, he'll give them the location of the final part of the scroll. Sadie agrees, but gives him one last command. Set is to maintain the truce with the Canes until Ra has been awakened. He tells her the scroll is at Bahariya. Sadie gives him back his name, and Set throws in one bonus piece of information. Zia's village was called Ahamra Makan. Set disappears, and Bess begins the drive to the Egyptian bridge while being pursued by Russian magicians. They pass through the bridge's portal, and Sadie blocks out as the car begins to be crushed under the sudden pressure of water. Chapter 12 I master the art of name-calling. When Sadie wakes up, it's as her ba, right back in Brooklyn House, where she finds Anubis and Walt waiting outside Jazz's infirmary door. Anubis, invisible to Walt, says she should be with a dying Carter, but it seems Jazz's spear called out to her for some reason. Apparently, Anubis is there to soothe some pain that Walt, who's carrying a shin amulet identical to the one he gave Sadie, called to him for guidance about. Sadie's boss pulled into the infirmary room, where Jazz's Wren, which is the identity part of her soul, her name, sits shimmering above her own body. Jazz tells Sadie that she'll need to use the wax statue to heal Carter, along with an extra ingredient that she should hopefully be able to figure out, and also says that she'll need to call Walt back for help, even though it may result in someone's death. Jazz's form fades away, and Sadie's boss is taken to the past, 
where she sees Isis coercing Ra into giving up the throne to Osiris. Healing the old god of his poisons by using a secret name, suggesting he needs a long, long rest. Ra summons Bast, who he is about to send to fight Apophis, and heads into forced retirement, with a final warning that when the world stands on the brink of destruction, he will not be there to help. Sadie soon wakes back up in bed in a luxurious hotel in Alexandria, Egypt, which they have to travel through water to get to. Sadie approaches Carter and, using their connection, takes his secret name, which involves his deepest secrets passing into her, and uses it along with the wax statue to heal him of the poison. After spending the rest of the day recuperating, having shopping done for them, and eating chocolate linen head, they begin to go toward Bahiria, which is an oasis, also known as the Valley of Golden Mummies. However, Sadie realizes she has to tell Carter about Zia's village, and Carter figures out that it's the same place of red sand Zia was said to be sleeping at. In order to do both in time, Bess and Carter head for the ruined village, and Sadie will summon Walt to go with her to Bahiria. If all goes perfectly, when they finish, they'll have 12 hours to put together the Book of Ra and use it before Apophis rises on the equinox. So Jane, what'd you think of the chapters? Uh, fine. Yeah, they're, they're fine, yeah. They're action heavy, not a lot of, um, we get a bit of character stuff in chapter 12. But, but apart from that, it's just like wall to wall, running around, being chased by things. We're back to that good old like red pyramid style and go to a place. Well, actually, this is a little bit different because there are, are actually people there when they get to that place. <laughs> uh, this, you know, there's that mark, uh, one market improvement over the red pyramid. But otherwise, go to the place, get the thing you need for the plot, get chased out, go somewhere else, etc., and so on and so forth. Basically, yeah. Uh but you know. I didn't hate them either. I thought there were some really good moments. Definitely. I mean, there's one, like, big obvious highlight of these chapters, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, which is Set. Oh, oh, Set, definitely. Set has... Um, we, we complained a lot in the first book about how you know, Set doesn't really have a lot of depth. He's just kind of a weird cartoon villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and absolutely nothing has been done to fix that. <laughs> Uh, um, no, definitely what, not. What has been done instead is uh, we've leaned into making him like the fucking most bizarre, charismatic Saturday morning cartoon villain you could imagine, whose entire thing is just he embodies chaos by fucking with people because he thinks it's funny and it's really fun to watch. It rules. Like, <sighs> I really thought, like, oh set is like stalling for time while listing off these ingredients because he wants to help out the canes but like obviously he's not actually stalling for time to help them he's stalling for time to help himself Mm -hmm. oh and you know he's 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 stalling for time so he can fucking rat them out at the perfect time he he's great in these chapters like the entire part where he's just like chattering to sadie about how they're all gonna fucking die uh (laughs) you know, with that bright smile on his face. Uh, it's, I really, I enjoy Seth's presence in this story a lot. Yeah, which is, it's it's a big turnaround from uh, where we were in Red Pyramid. CGI uh, like, Dogman. CGI Dogman, less interesting Kronos. And this is basically everything I'd hoped for when uh, the end of the last book was like him becoming a sort of semi-ally, which is just... 
interesting, fun team-ups where he's still fucking with them. Yeah, and he even manages to uh, dissolve that relationship uh, by this point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> I guess that wasn't something that we could maintain forever, like Sadie just having a god at her beck and call. I mean, the boring way to have done this would be like, we get to the final battle and they use set as like a one charge summon right yeah this is like the interesting thing which is like oh if sadie could learn set's name through a series of misadventures probably the second most or sorry probably the third most powerful magician in the world could also figure out set's secret name through some misadventures yeah exactly like actually wait no hang on what the fuck what how did he figure it out i don't know he's he seems to be like good at just like summoning gods and stuff oh i guess that oh that's true probably could have just like um what's Seth's wife's name again nephthys yeah no he probably could have just like grabbed her out of the duo and put a gun to her head yeah or i don't know i mean maybe he like won it against set in like a game of chess or something that, that would be interesting i'd love to see like a battle like high stakes battle of wits between them uh, as opposed to the high-stakes battle of wits we get in these chapters where every time Menshikov starts moving, Set just manifests another pot to drop on his head. Okay, but that's really funny. Oh, no, it's very good. He does it, like, six times in a row. <laughs> He's just, like, he blasts him with sand, Set's signature move, uh, <laughs> put sand on you technique. Uh, he's he's not even, like, Gara. He's not even, like, fucking naruto styling it he's just like throwing sand at people he probably could i don't know i don't know even i don't even know if he has the abilities to do fucking uh sand coffin sand burial jutsu but like i don't know what you're talking about and i think that's a good thing uh, fair um but like it's like you said he's a cartoon villain and watching him just like drop vases on Menshikov's head and watching like I can see it in my head of like the little red bumps rising up and up in sequence <laughs> Fuck. He's, like, he's like why I oughta oof why I oughta oof it would be extremely funny if Menshikov just has brain damage now I mean he's, he's pretty fucked up already yeah that's true I don't know what's I don't know what his deal is other than, I mean, it looks like we were right. He's just like pretty straightforwardly working with Apophis. Uh, yeah. I mean, there could be more to it later, uh, but for I mean, now. We, we, are, we were just singing the praises of a villain that we initially dismissed as boring. Right, right. And now that we also do have that, like, now that we have another element in here, which is like antagonistic gods, mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm less opposed to this. Yeah, it, it feels less like simplifying the the world now. Yeah. Um. Actually, do you want? Should we we should just talk about this whole like Russian adventure. Hmm. That's where you know three of these chapters are. Uh. What What did you think of our little time in uh the good old the good old uh Rus of Sha? It was. It was interesting to get a bit of Bez's backstory and history here. Because, you know, we, we were complaining about the quite insensitive presentation of him uh, last week. Uh, and this week we have him talking about how, like, oh, other people being insensitive to me has, like, really fucked with my life. And I struggle with that a lot. Which makes the earlier stuff even more confusing. Yeah, Buzz, I guess that's putting it a little mildly. Like, people were insensitive to him by, like, enslaving him and, yeah. like, 
putting him through like I don't know a fucking weird entertainment for some king or conqueror or whatever yeah it's obviously like deeply traumatic (laughs) to him yeah Uh, like uh, and it's presented you're right like like we we get both of that establishing the best is like a character who has like been through some shit and like and but like trying to square that with like the cha- the title of chapter nine being we get a vertically challenged tour of Russia and like the constant little like Carter being like this weird little guy and like I don't know just like well, like is stripped naked with a speedo that says dwarf pride on it. Which kind of right. emphasizes all the stuff that you would imagine those guffawing Russian shits were laughing at him for. Right. Like, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know what to say here other than, like, it just doesn't square in my brain. Like, there there has to be some disconnect here in the mind of Rick Riordan as he's writing this that he doesn't, like, get how yeah. he's presenting this character. I mean, it might just be because I'm pretty... Uh... I didn't look this up, and I probably should have, but I'm pretty sure that this is an event that actually happened. Oh, okay. So it's possible that, like, he's kind of failing to draw the line between, like, this is the historical thing I'm telling the reader about, and this is how I'm reproducing this shit now. Right, right. That's exactly it. It's, it's, It still sucks to read. I do, like, Baz as a character is certainly growing on me. Yeah, definitely. I like his, like, straightforward, but, like, still kind, I guess. Like, he's, he's like, fir- I don't know. He's that kind of, like, sad. Not sad, but, like, he's, like, kind of quietly sad, but also, like, a kind of a rambunctious guy, but also, like, very, like, he's, like, very normal. He's, like, normcore in a way that I appreciate in a character. I mean, I guess that makes sense because he is, like, this even comes up in these chapters. He was the god of the common people. Also, uh, it, this was real. It did happen. Oh, <laughs> Not okay. Not the god part, presumably, but yeah. Incredibly fucked up. Yeah. So I'm, I guess I, I'm cautious. I'm cautiously, I was going to say optimistic. I'm just cautious with where this is going to go. <laughs> I'm reading it through the cracks between my fingers, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not that's not all we get in Russia. We get um a beautiful, you know, kind of a guided tour. We get to go to all the all the all the brightest spots. Uh we get to see uh Russian teenagers hanging out by sphinxes and with with their wacky dyed hair and their their funny their funny language. I'll say this, I do get the impression that um Rick actually like went to places to research them. It feels like that. Like this, this does feel like he went he went to Saint Petersburg and poked around looking for shit that looks Egyptian. Right, like obviously a lot of research went to this. We get another thing in um, the first chapter where Baz is like, basically every empire since Egypt has been a wannabe Egypt, and therefore like any magical item will do, uh, or not magical item. Therefore, anything that is like vaguely Egyptian reproduced in these empires will probably still work for our magic not uh, not 100% certain about like oh the British Empire wanted to be just like the Egyptians that <laughs> yeah it's uh don't know about that I mean, one chief I mean I guess it's less they wanted to be just like it and like they were copying their style is that is it's that, that kind of that is thing true. I guess it's um ultimately it kind of like 
it feels this specific tidbit of like, well, the sp- the sphinxes, the Egyptian bridge, all this should still work uh, because, you know, like we got that explanation in book one, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, they even mentioned the Washington Monument when it comes up. And like, I thought, and I'm not saying that those concepts like shouldn't be reiterated because like, I don't know that's kind of the deal like you know it's probably been a couple years before you know someone's read it like oh why is i forgot that this happened but the fact that like carter and sadie react to it like they don't understand is kind of confusing to me that yeah that is a bit weird because like the washington monument wasn't just a place they went to it was the solution to the conflict of the red pyramid yeah so yeah it's kind of weird that that didn't come up again i guess they got like selective amnesia it, <laughs> it could have just been like a part of like in chapter one when they were explaining all these like little concepts and like sentences uh i feel like it could have come up in the narration at some point you know what i mean yeah definitely like, like the the first couple of chapters don't really hesitate to just do like a bit of an exposition dump to get either like if you if it's been a while, it gets you up to speed. If you just like found this book in a library and they don't have the first one, it gets you up to speed. Yeah, exactly. Like they could have just like as best drove the fucking car up the stairs, uh, which is wild, by the way. Um, they could have just had like a little part where Carter was like, "Oh, you know," and you normally you might think this might not work because we're not in Egypt, but actually, blah blah blah. Yeah. It's just kind of a confusing presentation to me. Yeah, it feels like maybe just like... No, because it can't just be like Rick forgot what these characters knew, because again, this was the ending of the first book. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know why it's presented (laughs) like this. It's so weird. Very strange. But you know, I I guess we got to hand it to Riordan for uh, including... There never has... Uh, a, a children's author been brave enough to include linen in their books <laughs> until Rick Riordan last week we declared him the number one ally to women uh, this week he's uh, the number one ally but now uh, Rick declares himself an ally uh, to the noble science of Marxism Leninism and I have to say I don't have an end to this bit I I was really hoping that um, I thought it would be really fun if we gone with a different like towering figure of uh, the early Soviet Union, uh huh, and gone with maybe like he gets a chocolate Trotsky head, a chocolate Trotsky, yeah, because no, it would because it would then make the uh, later bit about um, bears lobotomizing him to eat him. <laughs> <laughs> it would Wait, read a bit differently. Re- <laughs> that would have been so fucking funny though. I I would you okay. This is a question that I have to ask. If I gave you just like a full size, like two scale, um, perfectly like photo, photorealistic linen head and made of the most delicious chocolate, would you have it? I would eat it. You would eat it? Yeah. The the existence of those does confuse me because you can't go to like fucking, I don't know. There isn't a bit in um, Red Pyramid where they're in the British Museum where you can get, like, a fucking Winston Churchill chocolate head. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's because nobody wants to celebrate Winston Churchill by by making him in chocolate. Uh, 
horrifying number of people want to celebrate Winston Churchill. But, but not by making him into chocolate. That's true. I don't know. I, I just thought the specific line of, you know, like Bess is explaining like, oh, you can get all the, you can get the greatest chocolate, chocolate, like bottles, chocolate chips, chocolate linen heads. And Carter's like the communist guy. <laughs> like <laughs> there's something so amusing about that to me. Yeah, it's 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 good. These these chapters are like they're funny. They have action, just not a lot going on behind the eyes. Uh, right. What what is there is kind of confusing to me. Maybe the maybe the leaden head is actually a metaphor for these chapters. Oh, it's, very well it's, sculpted it's, on the outside, completely hollow on the inside. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> it's just like I mean, it's probably more like the leaden head by like day by day three of them having it like like it's it's you know kind of broken on the outside but like very tasty um and the inside is like there's stuff there but it's like kind of melted (laughs) what's what's happening with walt good fucking question this is uh one of those really irritating mysteries where you are just repeatedly told that there's a mystery and are given no clues about what it might mean or entail in any way and it just keeps taking up space right like it's one of those things where it's like wow i really wish the characters would talk to each other about this and uh, like to just just to preempt everything i'm sure that next episode will 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 like n- the next four <laughs> chapters it will be revealed what's going on with walt uh i just think that it was just like what the fuck is happening during these four chapters and not like <sighs> It's not that I, I, I don't know. I, I guess there are clues being given. Like the, like the Shen amulet seems like some kind of clue. Him asking Anubis to like soothe his pain seals seems like some kind of clue. Bez being like, he was born weird. Like, I don't, it's what's happening is my question. I wonder if, um, Rick's trying to make the Nico D'Angelo lightning strike twice. I feel like Walt is not on the level of Nico D'Angelo. No, I know. I, he's failing to make the lightning strike twice. Right. But, like, uh, Just in that vein of, like, we introduce a new character, we see them do some, like, interesting stuff with their powers that isn't really explained, and then in, in the end we get a big twist about what it all means. Mm, that could be right. Honestly, I would not put it past him. And then, like, I... I also don't really understand the jazz stuff. I feel like Jazz, well, uh, Rick wants us to be much more emotionally invested in the fact that Jazz is dying than we are, because I could give a fuck. I mean, it's like, damn, that sucks, I guess. But it, <laughs> it really does. I think what's like obscuring, I think the disconnect here for me is that it feels like there's some like great mystery happening with her and Walt. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of like in the woods about that and so i don't have time to be like looking at the forest of like damn it's sad that this teenage girl is dying yeah because it's just because they're barely in the book is mm-hmm. the thing right like we're like just repeatedly told about a mystery we're not getting involved in it or anything yeah i i just it, it feels clumsy it feels like a clumsy a clumsily integrated thing like i don't really understand why she was specifically like there as her you know as her like ren uh which every time i say it i think of hunter hunter 
Um, <laughs> like, uh, other than, like, to be a clue for Sadie, it feels like... Who like, then gets a fucking flashback to another completely obvious clue anyway. Yeah, right. Like, she gets a flashback that just tells her uh, the thing to do. Which, like, okay, that's fine. Like, the flashback was cool. I actually like that bit a, a good deal. I like the flashback, but I think it's it's redundant if you have the jazz stuff, like... And, and because we already, like, know pretty much everything that happens in the flashback. It's redundant because it's it's not quite... I can understand its purpose because I do think that, like, getting the fuller picture of, like, Isis's lack of, like, forethought to this mm-hmm. and and also adding in that element that we didn't quite have before of Raw being, like, when shit goes down, I'm not going to be there... Uh, is like pretty important probably that's true um otherwise like you're right it does feel like kind of just it feels like is it supposed to be oh if you didn't get it the first time here's here's the second one when the like the the exact thing that jazz says is like you should be able to figure it out and so it's like do you not think i can figure it out do i do you actually think maybe i am not able to also jazz just fucking tell her (laughs) She she yeah. does she tries to do like the slight, oh, you already know what you need to do. And Sadie's like, No, I don't. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I don't it's And I'm with Sadie on that one, frankly. Yeah, and like Sadie does figure it out, but She didn't already know. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> uh and like the the really the real like other than set, the other like star of these chapters is the, all of the like Sadie and Carter relationship stuff. Oh yeah, no, that stuff's good. Is there any any particular parts that you wanted to call out? Well, I mean, it's this is kind of like just what the overarching like for, these four chapters are almost like about when like taken in the sequence because we get like we get Carter basically like explaining why he's like frustrated with Sadie and like kind of talking about like oh, you know, uh, simultaneously, like, I wish that I could have been there to protect her, but also it's weird to me that she's, like, becoming a person and, like, that she's growing up. And mm-hmm. also, like, uh, I'm weirdly, not kind, like, kind of weirdly, like, like, I don't know, like, projecting my own shit onto her. Um, also, side note, just to correct ourselves, uh, Sadie is 13 now and Carter is 14. I think we, we gave ah, that... Right. We, I think we called them as, like, 14 and 15 last time. Uh, we might have gone confused, because that's about the age that the Percy Jackson characters hover around. Right, right. Uh, I think maybe that was... Maybe those ages were, like, end of series or something. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, so it is a little bit we- weirder to me now that it's, like, <laughs> the 16-year-old. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Um, and then, like, Carter still jumping to, like, save her, specifically after he was like, damn, I wish I could have, like, he was kind of like, I wish I could have been there to save her in London. And then he tries to save her in Russia, and he gets fucking bit, and she has to save Destroyed. him. Yeah, she has to save him. And the whole, like, true name extraction is just a, uh, it's it's, like, melodramatic, I guess, but in a way that really works for me. Yeah, it's it's a big payoff to, like, a book and a half of development of this relationship. Right, like, Sadie Sadie declaring that there is, like, no one in the world who, like, is simultaneously, like, 
she's closest to and like who for for whom she is the closest to them uh if that makes any sense uh like other she than loves her a lot. yeah yeah exactly um it's it's powerful it's it's a good payoff like you said i enjoy, i i like to read it i like to read it uh fuck what else what else happens in these chapters uh i guess now we know where zia is in the oasis or the place where the place where the fucking mummies are uh no yeah uh so zia is supposedly in like the ruins of her village uh we learn we learn and at the end everyone splits up which is always great i'm sure this will end very well like i i, I said this early on that i appreciated that we are getting carter's firm positions and you know uh he's sticking to them he's he's sticking to choosing zia over the world just hearing that like oh 12 hours you'll have 12 hours to save the world if you both do this exactly perfectly uh it's a it's it's a i guess knowing how every other mission they've ever gone on has went that's uh pretty suspenseful Mm -hmm. i'm sure they will have at most like five hours to do it by the time they're done it does feel a lot like Carter has picked like the dick move option in a Telltale game that only ten percent of people pick just to see what happens. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little, yeah, and like it's like, oh, I get where you're coming from, but also, man, there is this big snake that's gonna eat the world. It's also literally not gonna matter if Apophis eats you all. Yeah, yeah, that's. I don't know. I don't really... Apophis, like, the presentation of Apophis still is not doing it for me. Like, we get here from, like, uh, Vladimir Menshikov, like, oh, when Apophis rises, he will reign in chaos. And that's still just not as interesting to me as, like, when Apophis rises, entropy will happen. Yeah, because, I mean, Apophis has moved straight into the boring villain slot that Set was occupying in book one. Right. Which he has thankfully been freed from now. Yeah, and I don't, I just, like, this big snake that is, like, a representation of all the bad stuff that it should be, like, oh, everything is going to end. And, like, that is actually an argument that is made at one point. Sadie's like, oh, the world's going to end anyway, so, uh, you know, why not? But it doesn't feel like the, like, it's meshing with, like, these ideas of chaos maybe i just don't understand how rick riordan is understanding chaos or something you know you know what might improve this a little bit what's that if the choice for carter was go hell for leather on getting ra back or stick with horus and because you know horus is already out here that means that he actually is able to go looking for zia because that means that going looking for zia is not outright suicidal and makes a little bit more sense yeah, I mean that that could tie things together a bit more nicely. Because um, it would also it would also like give a nice parallel between Horus and Carter. Because Horus is just like selfishly looking for his position, and Carter is kind of selfishly just uh, wanting to be with Zia and kind of putting everyone else at risk because of it. Right. I am curious where like the Carter Baz dynamic will go. Like that feels like. Uh, like interactions that could produce some really fruitful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Walt and Sadie 
like sure this is where the reveal is going to happen i'm sure that walt is like i don't know secretly the embodiment of raw or something <laughs> we another seemingly innocuous side character was hosting a god all along or it's like oh Ra is like the you know he has the three forms so maybe one of the three forms is walt or something I don't what if know. he turns out to be a sharp tea he turns out to be a fucking shop to you. And then at the end of the book, it's like, oh, Walt is hiding in uh, the place of blue rivers. It's like, <laughs> I would fucking scream. I would kind of respect the commitment to the bit, to be honest. We, I, as, as long as somebody next book manipulates Menshikov and, uh, what was the fucking other thing? As long as Amos is also, like, suspicious and maybe the villain, as long as all of that happens, I would be okay with that. Exactly. I I don't know if it's, like, just the way that we're reading this, but the pacing in this book as a whole feels really off to me. Oh, yeah? How so? I don't know. I feel, we get, like... We get, like, the opening thing with the heist. A little bit of downtime in Brooklyn House. And then from there, it has been more or less just straight running and screaming for eight chapters. I mean... It it just doesn't really feel like it's escalating. It's just kind of going through the same motions again and again. Like, not without its good parts, but... I don't know, it just feels... Something about it feels off. I guess, like, an opening... An opening sequence, followed by some downtime, followed by a middle of the book that is kind of a lot of running around, is kind of a traditional way a book goes in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, but I, I get what you mean. Like it doesn't. It doesn't feel like there's that escalation. It does kind of just like, like I don't know. It does kind of feel like spinning its wheels, uh, which isn't great. But like I don't know. It might be the. It might be the time limit that's um, causing that effect. Yeah. Because this is just so much is happening in such a short amount of time because of this like three day limit that's been put on everything. Yeah. That it it doesn't. That may be why it all starts to blur together a bit. Right, and we've got what do we got? Like two episodes left of this. Do we? Christ. <laughs> uh. Oh yeah, I guess we we will be getting through this one way faster because the chapters are like longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know, maybe maybe if we, like, take it from that perspective, it's actually, like, the pacing's okay. I have no idea. It it does... It doesn't stick out as weirdly as the Red Pyramid's pacing, which I just thought was, like, bizarro. But... I, I don't know if that was a problem with the pacing or just the fact that the book was shit for the first half. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's the truth, also. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I can't stop thinking about that fucking slog of, like the chapter where they're just like going through like what well, Brooklyn and like Bast where every fucking sentence in the summary begins with Amos explains yeah, that but also in like Bast is like steals a car and like like meows at a truck or whatever and then like they're just like some weird like pallbearers who chase them uh, okay, no, hang on. The the fucking the coffin dance guys that could run as fast as a speeding car were amazing. Okay, that was really cool, but also like, what the fuck was happening there? I don't know. It just, uh, I don't know. It, no, I only like that bit because I find that image funny. <laughs> it's very funny. 
I don't know. I, I, I think this is a better book so far. I um, think so. I'm just like, what? I, uh, some of the hopes that I've had for it not weren't 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 dashed, but I'm I'm a bit more like restrained now in what I'm expecting. I think it's possibly that Red Pyramid felt quite slow and bloated in places with a lot of like needless bullshit that shouldn't have been there. Whereas this feels maybe like not like in a word count sense, but in a just like plot sense, over tightened. Mm. Where it is just shit happening all the time. Yeah, I can see that. Like, these summaries were dense, and it's okay to have like a bunch of really dense chapters. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe just take a chapter or two to breathe. Yeah, I, that, that's what I think chapter 12 was trying to well, be. It, it like wasn't, though. Chapter 12 was like another dream adventure. And fucking dream sequences in these books, I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> oh God. Um This series is kind of a mess. It's a bit of a mess. Like I like it. Like I'm having I'm I enjoy concepts. I like the characters. It's just odd. Yeah, ag- again, I every every time we read another one of these, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is why this series is kinda like the black sheep of the Riot and Burse. You know Like, it's not terrible but there's a lot of jank in here i still feel like i hear about it more than i hear about like magnus chase though you know what that is a fair point is mag are we gonna get to magnus chase and just have like nothing to talk about every episode (laughs) because i i I dread that i i mean i feel like if we we hit a situation like we had with um those fucking three chapters in red pyramid that we like the the episode just did not start on (laughs) Uh-huh. Like if we had that for a whole book, I think we would just like bin that series and move on to like Heroes of Olympus or whatever. Yeah, probably. I guess it'd be Trials of Apollo after that. Oh yeah. Wow. Sorry, I'm just so used to Heroes of Olympus being the hypothetical future one. Yeah, that's fair. That's like that's like a, a near future. That's going to be like an under ten episodes. We're starting that, I think. Oh yeah. I gotta say, I am kind of excited to get back to the um, the Camp Half Blood stuff. Same. And the fact that I'm saying that halfway through the Kane Chronicles is probably pretty damning on its own. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, should we wrap it up? I think I think we should. All right. Well, if you'd like to reach the show, you can check us out on Twitter at Unwise Girls. There we've got our links to our personal Twitters, our Discord server, which you can join and hang out in, um, and uh, our Patreon. If you want to support us, uh, you can... You know, leave us a five star rating review. You can tell a friend. You can be like, "Hey, there's this really cool Percy Jackson podcast. It's better than that one that's run by that one person, but has like three thousand followers." Motherfucker. Slash, uh, person and peer that we respect. If they ever listen to this, that's right. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it's better than all of our other beloved peers. Uh, <laughs> uh, say that. Those are your words, not ours. I should say. Those are what you're telling your friend. And uh, you can uh, leave a... No, I already said that. And you can go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls to support us uh, monetarily, which is a very a very nice form of support. For $1 a month, you get the Discord role of Whittle Doe Being. Uh, for $3 a month, you will get the Discord role of Big Ba Energy and also uh, access to all of our bonus content. Uh, what did we talk about recently? Uh, we shouted about Homestuck again. Uh, I think we talked about Spider-Man for a while. Oh, yeah. I hear that apparently 
uh, No Way Home is good. Oh yeah, it's 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 okay. It's an MCU movie that was okay enough that I could be bothered to sit through it. <laughs> well, hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, and next week we'll be talking about uh, The Prince of Egypt, people like that movie So come and listen I haven't watched that since like fucking primary school Oh it's been a while for me too, yeah Be very interested to see How weird it is in retrospect Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, And for $5 a month you get The Bast Headpat Pass uh, Spend it wisely uh, That gives you access to all of our uh, Amazing bonus content uh, and also an amazing thank you at the, I'm saying I'm appending words that maybe shouldn't be there. It'll get you a thank you. I can't guarantee that it will be amazing. Uh, we'll do our best, uh, at the end of every episode. An incredibly amazing and overly extravagant thank you to Mercy, Veronica, friend, and Erica. Uh, God bless all of you. Thank you so much. <laughs> we love you. We do. Uh, you're, you're you're rich and famous you're glamorous you will you know you will lead the revolution all these things <laughs> uh the vanguard etc and as we always say speaking of little dough beings do you think fucking what's his face Doughboy. Doughboy. i i want him to be revealed as like the main villain at the end of uh, the last book <laughs> that would be really good <laughs> he's <laughs> i'm sorry he's had just... too much you said Will Doe being, and it reminded me again that, like, we had another four chapters with no acknowledgement that they just ditched him in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I, you you tried to argue with me when I said that they basically killed him. Because I didn't uh, think they would pull the trigger on that, but you were right. They basically killed him. Uh, <laughs> and as we always say, at the end of every single episode... Justice for Doughboy. Justice for Doughboy. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. <laughs> See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Bye.